so then the next time we went to Cornerstone, we were soul food and we built a school bus. We welded a uh, we welded a Volkswagen bus on top of the school bus. Wow. And then we wow. pulled my my '63 Redub bus behind, so we were like this crazy. <laughs> it was like a circus pulling into town, huh? Dude, it was like a circus, right? <laughs> totally. And I had like dreadlocks, so people were like, "Dude, you got to read," you know, like people were just like, <laughs> the only thing that were like someone was dead, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like ultimate like hippie crew, right? Hey everyone, you are listening to Baritone Podcast. If you're new here, thanks for listening. This is basically a podcast for all things Old Bear Records. My name is Lucas and I'm one of the producers of Baritone. Today's show is about funk slash grunge band Soul Food 76. Old Bear Records has the privilege to reissue Soul Food's record from 1996 called Original Soundtrack on vinyl. So we called up frontman and guitarist Daniel Fairbanks to chat about the project. I was going to ask where in California. Yeah, where are you in California? Oh, yeah. So, yep. so I'm in uh, Ventura County, a little town called Ojai. It's this 8,000 people town um, up in the hills. So nice. it gets like pretty hot. But it's a um, it's far enough away from L.A. We're about, you know, 80, 85 miles from L.A. Hmm. On the cool. coast. It's beautiful. Mm. There's like, I surf like three times a week at least. <laughs> um, awesome. I just, I can just drive 20 minutes and I'm in the water, you know, down the hill. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, no, Ohio's an amazing place. It's been written up in, you know, New York Times and it's kind of this like secret getaway that's not so secret anymore. Mm. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, Daniel, let's talk a little bit about the Soul Food 76. Um, Original Soundtracks is the uh-huh. the record that um, we are reissuing through Old Bear Records, and super excited about it. And um, uh, but but maybe maybe Daniel, you can tell us a little bit about that project, uh, what you can remember, maybe recording it and 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 all that stuff. Some some facts. Some facts, yeah. <laughs> well, we recorded in right on. So we recorded in Seattle, and we were at this place called. I think it was called Sound X or something like that. It was like a sound garden um, related studio. One of the guys in Sound Garden had something to do with the studio. Oh, cool. And uh, so we got our dear friend, Aaron Sprinkle, who's like still making music. Um, he got, he recorded two of our records before that. Hmm. And we were in this um, studio, and the day we showed up, 
there was this band called the Cardigans, <laughs> which I think we all can remember yeah, that. Yeah, like yeah, from. yeah, for sure. Yeah. They had just like literally finished up and left, like right when we were showing up, and we're like, "Who the heck are those guys? They're like Irish <laughs> or something," <laughs> you know? Yeah. And this is like before they became, you know, the huge, you know, hit thing that they had going but they were or kind of right around the same time I don't know but anyways it was kind of crazy we're just like who are they and um, it was a private little studio in Seattle and um, you know front door was like you know you did, definitely did not know it was a studio it kind of felt like a secret um, they had like a <laughs> this is kind of funny. So I do remember this. They had a TV that they were playing. Um, <laughs> they were playing porn on this TV <laughs> when we showed up. We're all like uber Christian, you know, musician people. And like the, produ- the engineer was not even thinking anything of it. And I was like, hey, man, um, can you like maybe turn that TV off? <laughs> So maybe just tell us a little bit about like, you know, uh, what you guys were into, you know, as, as a band to create that sound. Yeah, so um, originally Solson started with me and a guitar player. Like I used to be a drummer and I just w- really wanted to be like the front band, you yeah. know, like maybe like some narcissistic craziness coming out or something but <laughs> so I wanted to be the front man and I really couldn't sing but like I um just got encouraged by different people and it it really wasn't about so much like talent as it was about passion for music and um I figured like if Kurt Cobain could like you know, maybe not be like the most skilled, crazy musician, but the guy just loved, you know, music. And he, you know, that's a whole nother story there. But I would kind of was like, well, I, why can't I do this? You know, why, mm-hmm. I can, I can be a singer and guitar player. I just need to find some people to back me up. So my guitar player, Sam, was like a really close friend and we were in a band together and I was playing drums and, um, he got kicked out of the band because he just wasn't very good or whatever. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I love that guy. So I'm like, let's maybe me and him start a band. So we started Soul Food and we picked up some other players from like youth group and like my buddy Paul who moved from Dayton, Ohio. Wow. To come to Seattle to like make it big in the music business. And he was. <laughs> Kind of look, he was looking for a gig, and yeah, um, he ended up playing with like Jeremy Enoch and wow, you know, Sunny Day Real Estates and yeah. all this kind of stuff. But anyway, so Paul joined, and we just 
all kind of converged on a particular sound of kind of vintage classic mm-hmm. rock. And I was I was kind of obsessed with um like black exploitation movies, Superfly and you right, know, those movies are fun, for sure. So I was kind of obsessed with this thing and I used to drive to Paul's house and there was like a um he he lived in kind of a shady area of Seattle and there was this restaurant, Soul Food Cafe or Soul Food something. And I was like, man, Soul Food, that's such a great name for a band. So I came up with a name based on kind of this like tongue in cheek thing about, you know, funky seventies kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of picked up from there. And like Paul and Kevin, the bass player and the drummer, they were, they were not into that style of music. Kevin was like an acid jazz guy. He loved, <laughs> wow. you know, kind of this, that kind of field. Mm-hmm. Paul was like, he just only listened to Nick Drake. Like, literally, that's <laughs> all he ever listened to. It was crazy. Uh, <laughs> I just hated Nick Drake back at the time. I was like, dude, <laughs> something else besides Nick Drake. <laughs> <laughs> like, any time we would tour, you know, he'd be like... Potato chips, Mountain Dew, and Nick Drake. That was a jam. <laughs> It's definitely a different time. Like it felt like, you know, uh, there was way people were also going to shows, you know, like there was way more. Yeah, exactly. There was way more willingness to just pick up a flyer. And it was it was less to do with like who was actually playing and more to do with Mm -hmm. like there's going to be doors that are opened up to us to go see go see live music, you know. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So and I think there's a return to that. Like, I believe right now, especially just with the vinyl thing, like. There's a return to, um, you know, like the, pe- people are, are coming back, I believe, are coming back to like wanting to discover music that's out there that maybe they haven't heard of. And they're not, you know, they're, they're, they're willing to dig a little bit more than, you know. Yeah, I would say they're hungry. Like my son has like 200 and some vinyl. Like he surpassed me <laughs> like, like a year ago on his like or two years ago, probably on his education and search for vinyl or through, you know, amazing music through like Spotify and all this kind of stuff, making playlists and, you know, but he just kept digging and digging. And Hmm. that was like really cool to see that, you know, and I'm not like taking full credit because I mean, yeah, he's my kid and stuff, but you know, 
I'm fortunate to like watch him, you know, discover amazing music and be excited about, hmm. you know, vinyl and just what's happening on, on that whole era. Yeah. So you, one so thing about vinyl, which is really ironic is there's this really, you know, hipster coffee house place in Ojai. And so there was this yarn store, which is like a whole nother world of like, you know, do it yourself craft, <laughs> crazy, you know, whole thing. And the, the owner's wife, or no, I'm sorry, the wife's uh, husband loves vinyl and they have like a, you know, a record player in there, right? And it's, mm. you know, it's kind of a hipster thing to have a record player. So I'd go in there and, you know, there'd be like 15 records or something and, uh, whatever, but I went in there like literally like a week ago, and the entire store is filled with like all these different vinyl, you know, Aretha, you know, Marvin Gaye, and yeah. just all these different um, these bands. They 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 bought all these records to stick in the store to sell, and that's you know, awesome. Mix, it's really funny because mixed in with all this yarn, <laughs> <laughs> like vinyl that and yarn. Weird. You know why not? What a combo. <laughs> Bear Tone listeners, Anthony here. Listen to the tone of this guitar. We here at Old Bear are proudly sponsored by Martin Guitars. Most of our artists and a lot of our recordings done in our studio are Martin Guitars. This one here is being played by Old Bear Records recording artist Ryan Clay. This is a snippet of his brand new record called Among the Pines, set to release on January 24th, 2020. So be on the lookout for that. And if you're a guitar player and want playability, great tone, and beautiful classic design, why not get a Martin? We think they're the best. So we, we originally started out playing like taverns and bars. Um, I, I don't know why, but we just, that's kind of where we were playing. And then we started kind of playing like youth group events and then church stuff. And then it's kind of a, you know, um, I have mixed feelings at this point, but you know, the churches were kind of paying more or they had more of an excitement for the music. So we kind of feared out of playing at bars as much as we started playing more into like churches. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we kind of started as this band that was just playing out everywhere in Seattle because it was, like I said, you know, the people were just excited about music and didn't really matter who was playing. There was just shows, like, all the time. And then it kind of merged into this, like, Christian subculture, you know. Right. So we kind of just merged or morphed into more of a um, Christian circuit mm. kind of thing. I was, I think I was... I started getting into him when I was maybe a freshman in high school. 
This is our friend John Williams. He was recently recording at Old Bear on Ryan Clare's upcoming record, and he was telling us about this time that he remembers going to one of these youth group shows uh, that Soul Food 76 actually played at. Mm-hmm. Um, it was right about that time. I was freshman in 96. So um, I, my older cousin uh, introduced me to him, and he'd take me to shows and stuff. And um, I remember specifically there was this one show up in Everett, Washington, um, it was at a church. I can't remember the name of the church, but it was. They were playing with another band that we liked called Fireball Brady. Uh-huh. And uh, during the show, Fireball Brady's amp caught on fire, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was a whole big deal. They had to evacuate a whole section, and uh, yeah, it was it was kind of crazy, but it was it was a memorable show. Well, it wasn't very white. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was pretty amazing. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about your corn. I mean, I know uh, the first couple of days after we, uh, you know, finalized the release of this, or you know, the, agreed on how we were going to release this this project, you sent me you sent me a few pictures of you, uh, you know, on the side of the road heading to Cornerstone, presumably fixing some flat tire or something, and. Uh, oh my gosh. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about because I think the the folks that listen to our podcast um, are the uh, some folks that have gone to Cornerstone, grown up in that experience, you know. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about that, and you're from your perspective. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, my Cornerstone experience was uh, the first time we went, and this is again, this is like when you're just young and dumb and just, you know, ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we, uh, first time we went to Carson, it was Soul Food was a band, but we were kind of still at the cassette demo tape kind of thing. <laughs> and, uh, I went, I bought this 1966, uh, Dodge van. And we just packed up a couple of people with us to, you know, pitch in for gas and, we drove from uh, with another uh, guy that had a like a Vanagon, you know, V-Dub Vanagon. So we you had this little caravan, and um, like we literally were driving this old beat-up <laughs> Dodge van across country from Seattle to you know Chicago and. Uh, we broke down like nonstop on the way, right? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. It was like there was like thunderstorms and like crazy lightning craziness, and I mean it was just we had to do like you know fifty miles per hour, and it was like literally <laughs> the best time yep. ever. Yeah, it was like the journey going out there, stopping at these random cafes, you know, like just you know super hick. America craziness and yep. just yeah I just I look back on that and it's like that was amazing
So then the next time we went to Cornerstone, we were soul food and we built a school bus. We welded a uh, we welded a Volkswagen bus on top of the school bus. Wow. And then we pulled my my sixty three V dub bus behind. So we were like this crazy <laughs> It's like a circus pulling into town, huh? Dude, it was like a circus, right? <laughs> totally. And I had like dreadlocks, so people were like, dude, you got your feet? You know, like people were just like, <laughs> the only thing that were like, someone was dead, right? Yeah. It was yeah. like ultimate, like, hippie crew, right? So we had, you know, our wives with us, and there was like eight of us, and we had a driver, and we were on tour with Portal Blue, and um, oh, they yeah. were in like a, they were like in this posh, you know, like Winnebago kind of thing that had like AC. <laughs> <laughs> it was like super ghetto, like school bus. <laughs> and um, yeah, so that one photo was like, we're, I think we made it to like Iowa and our engine blew up <laughs> oh, man. in our school bus. So we were stuck in this um, town and like we literally had like the police come and check on us. Hmm. Like this town was like so backwards. And we, you know, we got towed into town and we're, you know, at the mechanic place and they're trying to figure out what to do with the engine. And we're just at a cafe um, having like breakfast, right? Yeah. And so we all get into my Vida bus because we disconnected from the big, the mothership, as we called it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we disconnect the the bus, and then we go to breakfast. And we all got back in the in the my little bus to go back to the hotel where we're staying. And the, this cop comes, and he's like, "What are you guys doing here?" Hmm. I was like, uh, "We broke down," and you know, he's just like you know, sweating us for yeah. no reason. I yeah. was like, dude, what what's up with this? So he was like trying to find a way to give us a ticket for something. And wow. he, you know, he eventually, oh, I know what it was. This lady said that we smashed her car with my my huge Volkswagen bus door. <laughs> if you know anything about <laughs> Volkswagen, they're like paper thin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, there's no way I put a giant dent in your like big old Ford truck with my little pussy like Volkswagen, you know, <laughs> door. Right. So like the cops were like you know trying to like bust us or something. It was it was crazy. Yeah. So then they found a uh, a Corvette engine that matched the exact engine that we were using in our school bus. Wow, that's amazing! <laughs> so Corvette like, school bus. What? A Corvette engine was put put into our school bus. And <laughs> amazing. Like, finished our our tour to Cornerstone on the Corvette engine. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, that that photo I sent you was that's the background of us being like disconnecting the bus and breaking down like nonstop. You know, I had a, I had an interesting thought about like. The recording technology was starting to change um, around then. Right. What 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 medium did you guys use to record that that project? Do you remember? 
Uh, the board that this is kind of well, one of our I'm a little fuzzy, but at that um, Soundgarden studio, there was some connection with like Roger Walters uh-huh. of Pink Floyd. Uh-huh. <laughs> there was a there was a control count console that was actually used on some Pink Floyd songs, which was crazy. Mm-hmm. So there was, when we were in the studio recording original soundtrack, there was like two, two rooms. And one of them had like the more vintage stuff. And then the other room had more like up to date stuff. So we, of course, with Aaron Sprinkles, you know, vintage, you know, thought process where like, Oh, let's definitely go with the, the older, um, board, yeah. soundboard. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I couldn't tell the difference. I mean, I still had to like, <laughs> I still had to sing the same line over and over and over until I was on pitch. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> it just got so frustrating because I'm like, I don't really care what kind of board it is. I've been singing the same singing line over and over <laughs> and I, I can't seem to nail it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting so frustrated. <laughs> bring it all full circle the whole time the label that we were on was called Malico which was in Jackson Mississippi which is like a black gospel blues label which was crazy that we got linked in with them yeah and they actually are the people that bought Muscle Shoals oh wow so we we actually got to record our last record at Muscle Shoals which wasn't a good record but it was still pretty awesome to record there. Yeah. Um, but we were pushing them to make a vinyl. And they're like, oh man, no one does vinyl. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. We're going to do, we're going to do uh, 10 CDs to one cassette. Now, so they were still putting out cassettes, but they would, they would only put out, you know, one. And I think they did like 10,000 copies like our first pressing thing mm. for our original soundtrack. And we just were like super bummed. Like I had this like whole black light poster, like thing that I wanted to do as an insert inside of a vinyl. <laughs> yeah. There's like, no, nah, you know, no one does that. That's like from the eighties and seventies. How did this label find you guys from, you know, where, where you guys were located and, and all that. What was the story behind that? Behind which? Uh, uh, behind the signing to the label that you guys were on. Well, uh, at the time, I was actually the graphic designer for uh, Tooth and Nail uh-huh. in Seattle, and I worked there with Brandon and you know that whole Bill Power and mm-hmm. some amazing people. Um, I was doing like record covers for Supertones and all these different things, so I had my my hand in the industry. Yeah, yeah. But they just would not give us a deal. 
<laughs> what was? I was like, come on. Yeah. Like I work for you, man. Can't you just give me like a little deal? I mean, you signed that man <laughs> Daniel son. I mean, come on. That, <laughs> that guy can't sing. <laughs> so I was just like, seriously, you won't give me the deal. It's just a small deal with like a little deal. You know, it didn't. I just could not get anything out of them. Why do you think that? Why do you think that was? Why do you think that was? I don't know. Like Brandon, he was like a friend of mine and stuff, but he just did not like soul food. You know, he just he was um, he was just not into our sound or whatever. And Mm. um, I was like, okay. And then we just ended up with this crazy guy that heard about us in Nashville called his name was David Ash, and he. Worked for Malico Records, which was this crazy, um, you know, black gospel label. And they had a Christian music version, you know, like contemporary Christian Mm -hmm. um, branch. And they were trying to expand their roster. And so they, um, I don't know, somebody told them about us. And they kind of weren't really into it, or at least... Um, this David Ash guy wasn't into it and so they turned me on to this guy named Greg Preston and so I was starting to talk to Greg and I've been talking to him for like a year right so I go out to um, kind of we've already signed a deal and I go out to meet Greg at I think it was what was the thing in Nashville like CMA or some like Christian yeah, yeah, conference yeah, scene. Yeah. Thing that they do every year, the Dove Awards and all that. So we went out there to promote our records, and it was like such a joke. I was like, "Dude, this is not my scene at all." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I meet Greg, and I'm like, the entire time I thought he was black. (laughs) (laughs) Full on like Mississippi guy, and you know, black gospel label. And then I, I met all these people, and like. Dude, they're all white. They're crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. I was like, a bunch of white guys running a black gospel label. This is weird. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, funny. yeah, for the longest time, I was like, I thought it was all cool. You know, I was like, yeah, dude, we're in, we're in with the brothers, you know, and like, yeah, it was, it was kind of embarrassing when I first met him. I was like, oh, all right. You're Greg, you're Greg Preston? So that label was pretty awesome but um you know they were like super backwoods place um in like jackson mississippi and we went to the we went to their like you know rec- record office and it was felt very like elvis like that's cool way way back you know pan you know wood paneling everywhere with the gold records on the on the walls and i mean it was it was pretty sweet. I was like pretty stoked when we went to the um, their office. It wasn't tooth and nail then. <laughs> no, yeah, uh, I ended up getting fired from tooth and nail, which was a awesome story because I, I, um, I was doing design work and I'd come in and Brandon looked down on the floor and he saw all these soul food CDs. <laughs> and I had my own office and he's like, "What is this? Like soul food central?" Uh-huh. <laughs> he was so mad at me. Oh my goodness! That I had like soul food stuff in his 
in his like you know company office and oh. eventually fired me wow he fired you for that well that and just probably some other stuff that i you know yeah i was like the highest paid employee and i was like making like nothing <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so there could have been some other stuff that he fired me for but uh, whatever yeah. we're friends yeah to the Christian school and it was yeah. like 1996 I was a senior which is right when the original soundtrack came out this is our friend Mo side note about Mo he actually runs an Old Bear Facebook group that anyone can join so you should definitely check that out uh, but Mo shared with us the other day a story about this record that we thought was kind of funny so here it is mm-hmm. and I don't know what I did but I did something that was like really good I guess and my teacher was like you know what I want to let you if you want to go to like Bender's the local Christian record store or whatever bookstore you can pick out whatever album you want and i'll buy it for you so i went there and i was like oh they have soul food 76 original soundtrack so i was like hey i want this album so a week later she comes in she's like oh i listened to that album i didn't really like it so i got you a phil keggy cd (laughs) like nothing gets phil keggy but it's not anything like soul food 76 yeah she had the audacity to to make that swap all by herself she didn't even like ask you. She, no, was like, she no, didn't she's ask you like, about the swap. She's just like, no, here's here's the right here's the CD I think you should have. <laughs> so that was my story. That's good. Well, man, thanks for taking the time to just, you know, like, Dude, yeah, it was awesome. hang with us. And uh, we have to have a follow up. I think, like, this is, this yeah. is good. And, yeah. you know, we love the music, man. And so thanks for for letting us uh, distribute this on, on vinyl. We're looking forward to that. And, and I know that, that our listeners are going to just love this, uh, this record. So, yeah, no, it's, I'm like super excited to put it on my uh, record player. I, <laughs> I, I run a uh, Airbnb, and like the other night, I was coming checking on my house, and there was like these six girls in there, and they were like having fun from LA, and um, they were playing like um, Sticky Fingers from Rolling Stones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were just cranking it, and it was like, you know, so fun to hear like just the experience of of putting a record on you know Paul yeah. Simon or you know James Taylor whatever they just they're all putting the classics on and, um, just no Nick Drake right you know it's just funny to watch <laughs> what people will put on my because I you know I have an okay collection and so yeah when I have guests in my house they it's fun to watch you know what what records they actually put on and you know it's just such a different experience than um, you know couldn't turn it on Spotify and yeah yeah absolutely you know whatever so I'm like super stoked that you guys are like putting out a vinyl and it's like a dream for me to you know have this happen finally yeah. you know it's awesome, uh, awesome so, man. way to go guys <laughs> 
Way well, to go for making the record. It. Yeah, thanks for making yeah. the music, buddy. Appreciate that. So. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Baritone Podcast. Pre-orders for the original soundtrack vinyl are now live. You can find that at oldbearrecords.com. Thank you to Mo Potter and John Williams for contributing to this episode. Thanks to Sarah Bridgman for creating the show's artwork. And thank you to Daniel Fairbanks for taking the time to sit down and chat with us. This show is produced by Anthony Hoisington and myself, Lucas Iverson. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time. Next time.